All right, I'm going to jump into this in just a second once I finish making fun of. No, I'm not not even close to finish making fun of Keanu Reeves' accents in this. Yeah. All right. It's going to be a big demon tonight making fun of Keanu's accents. Accents, plural, very important. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever one seems to fit at the time. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight we're talking about the 90s thriller about law, the devil, and the many accents of Keanu Reeves. It's the devil's advocate. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Jar is weird. We're doing two devil incest movies in a row. Yeah, two devil incest movies. And then weirdly, we're going to be doing two Keanu Reeves doing unaccent movies uh, this month as well. Well, that I knew we were doing, but devil incest is one of those. It's weird. It happened twice moments. <laughs> yeah. And the cinnamon roll of Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm good. I'm thinking about the relationship between Angel Heart and the Devil's Advocate. I feel like there's an essay to be written there, but I'll just have to be satisfied with the essay that I wrote as the recap of this movie. This two-hour, 30-minute-long movie. It is quite a length of film. And our first-time guest tonight, a friend of mine, fellow comics writer and writer of TV shows like Animal Kingdom, Justice League Action, Scream, and many DC animated films. And very importantly to us, the scary godmother Halloween Spooktacular. It's Heath. Yes. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Thank you, Jeremy. This is spectacular. And I will weigh in right away and say, yes, this movie is too long. This movie is way too long. It feels (laughs) like Scorsese directed this movie. Scorsese, well, they wish it was. Scorsese. I have to admit, I found it pretty breezy. Like, for as long as this movie is, it took me way less time to watch it than a lot of 90 minute movies take me. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. This movie seems to realize that about 90 minutes that it's going to go long. So it's like, let's throw in a lot of boobs right now. Like, Let's let's get the boobs in here. There's a lot. There's a lot of everything in this movie. There's a lot of everything. Incest, hold on. Well, not quite. I mean, it's allusions to the thing that they think is good on. He loves sure. porn, both sexual, wealth, and New York. Yeah. Yeah. Al Pacino jumps on a table and, and dances with a dancer and, yeah. and just is having the time of his life. And it feels like the, nobody gave him choreography. Him it looks like it really looks like nobody gave him a, a step. He was just like, I'm just going to do this. Taylor Hackford just came up and was like, you're going to do this. And then Al Pacino was like, no, no, no. I got it. I'm fine. Yeah. 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 You just, but, just, just keep rolling. Pacino was at 11 this whole oh. film. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's like a Pacino is seven, but an 11 for everybody else. And then Keanu's like accent game is so inconsistent and weird to a level we would not see until Tom Hardy played Venom. <laughs> it has a lot in common with Tom Hardy's Venom, if I'm honest, because 
sometimes he really tries to do the southern accent, especially if he's yelling. He's like, this this is the part where I'm going to put my accent in. It's going to come out. And then, like, there are a lot of points, like Tom Hardy's accent, like any accent that's not Benedict Cumberbatch's accent that Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. does, where he's like, what if I just growled? <laughs> like, what if I just talked low? He seems to come from the deep Georgia part of Florida. I agree. I was like, what is going on? And then they're like, oh, it's it's Gainsborough. I was like, what is this? Where are they from? Yeah, I had an issue. Yeah. They're from Gainesville. It's a bit in the country. It's not as country as you could be in Florida. But he does also, when Al Pacino is reading to him like what he's done, they said that he spent four years in the Jacksonville DA's office, which has to be a whole other movie. That's a yeah, wild yeah. fucking film. Yeah. Jacksonville is the craziest place. I would and love far. to see a movie that's just like Keanu in Jacksonville. Can we reflect on the sheer fucking absurdity that we actually got a movie starring Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron and it's not an action film? Right. Yeah. And that's how you know it's a 20th century movie because yeah. like two of the biggest action icons of the 21st century in a I religious do, horror drama. I do believe, now we, correct me if I'm wrong, is this Charlize's first film? It's her fifth credit overall. Like, oh, it is. Okay. Much before this. She's great in this yeah. movie. Yeah. This is 97, so we are actually, like, what, three years after Keanu did Speed. So he is off of Speed as one of the biggest action film characters, actors on the planet. And yeah. he is riding high. I mean, I will say, after that, he does Johnny Mnemonic, which makes it falter. Is, but we're, is, we're two years from Matrix right this now. This is very much in that era yeah. where Hollywood... Which an era which included the Matrix, if we're being honest, where Hollywood really didn't know what the fuck to, how to use Keanu Reeves, right? They were just using it for everything. They're just like stick Keanu in yeah. there. People love Keanu, and Keanu's I mean, we, like, we've oh, talked about this. we've He's, talked about they're not wrong. Coppola's Dracula on this, and there's yeah. um oh that was the Keanu accent, all right. That movie. Like, I always forget that Keanu Reeves is in that movie. So much in that movie. That's yeah, that's like, that, the things. Why isn't that movie two hours and 30 minutes long? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's two hours and 30 actors. minutes worth of stuff that goes on in that movie. They yeah. just really pack it in. Like, yeah. there's some actors who really do, like, develop and grow over the decades and, like, become more versatile actors. Keanu never stopped being Keanu. Hollywood just figured out how to, like, just work around that. Yeah, yeah. He has some very solid roles in there, and I think he has gotten better at figuring out just sort of like some acting stuff in non-action roles. I, I mean, I will piece. say, accent craziness aside, I actually do think Keanu Reeves is very good in this movie. I do too. Like, he has some really great scenes. It's just, he's like, if you just take the accent out, like, if he just was like, okay, I'm not going to do an accent, I'm just going to be Keanu saying Here's shit. Here's the wild thing for me is I had this thought as I was watching it, which is like, it's, it's weird to suggest replacing an actor that I really like both as an actor and as a person with somebody that I'm not crazy about as a person. But if this was Matthew McConaughey in this role, how much more sense would that make? Well, <laughs> like, the accent would have made sense. Like, like, also, what's your beef with Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, I'm curious now. I mean, let's let's not go into that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Too long. 
Well, he's, he's, an, he's a strange man. I, I believe that it was originally supposed to be Brad Pitt. And you buy Brad Pitt as a Florida bohunk. Like, you get yeah. that. You we go, oh, yeah. yeah. If if we had had this with Brad Pitt, you could have had a whole month of just Brad Pitt devil movies. Totally. Well, devil movies. I can actually only ever think of the one other devil movie, if I'm being honest. But maybe there's a few others. There's the one where, like, he gets hit by all the cars and then the devil takes over his body so well, he can be, like, fall in love. That's just oh, death. So that's death. Oh, fire. right. Okay. Because I'm like, there's interview with the vampire, but that's not like the literal devil doesn't show up. It's just like some devilish shit. There are a few places in this where when you watch it, it sounds like the script is wrong. But then like if you just take the line out and you repronounce it in your head in Matthew McConaughey's accent, you're like, oh, no, I yeah. I get it. There's one where like, I think it's oh, baby that he says. Like in the hallway, Charlie's there oh, and says something yeah. to him that like she's flirting with him and you know, suggesting that they should go have sex and like his his read of it is like, oh baby. Oh baby. Where it's like it should be, oh baby. Like yeah. and he just yeah. doesn't have that register in his, yeah. his acting. Like we should do an alternate dub. It's like a phantom edit, but it's a phantom dub. Of the Devil's Advocate, where all of the Keanu <laughs> me dubbing him as Matthew like, McConaughey. I'm like one of my <laughs> I favorite. Mean, or get Matthew McConaughey to do it, which I don't know. If we, I don't like, know if we want to get you guys in the same. But Chino delivers so much of his dialogue like he ad libbed it, but it's like too good, too well constructed to actually be ad libbed. Like when they go to his fucking like office. Which is a literal circle on fire, a literal circle of a hell for an office. Yeah. Houses, there's no bedroom. And they do like, where does he sleep? Who says he sleeps? Where does he fuck? And then Pacino just, it just shouts everywhere from across the room. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I feel this like movie, this must be what it's like to spend time without Pacino is like yeah. a normal yeah. person. This movie is a, a visceral reaction to Jack Nicholson's Witches of Eastwick, which was 10 years ago when this movie came out. Which and we you, also I, covered a few right, weeks and ago. I, and I feel like Pacino in this movie and De Niro in Angel Heart sort of said, hold my fucking beer. If Jack yes. can do this part, I get to do this part. And I'm going to do it bigger, louder, more me than anybody else. And, no. and that's kind of what this feels like, is, is Pacino's like, all right, watch me do Jack Nicholson now. Ooh, here we go. Like, Fire I, it up. I agree with you entirely. I do feel like between De Niro and Pacino, like, oh, I hate to do this, Robbie, but like, no disrespect to De Niro. I kind of feel like Pacino ate his lunch in terms of like devil performances. Oh, absolutely. But I'm but eat everybody's lunch. He eats yeah. everybody's lunch in this. And literally, I heard Pacino ate people's lunch in this movie. He just Incredible. went around and just <laughs> stuck his finger in people's lunches yeah. and ate it. He goes, what are you he ate all the scenery. He ate I, everything. It's very different, it? though. It's very different devils because like Every time yes. Al Pacino is on screen in this, my reaction is more. I want more of this. Yeah. Sure. Every time sure. is on screen and Angel Heart, I'm like, oh, fuck this guy. Well, I feel like, like the yeah. sexuality of how the characters are presented are different. Because I feel like in Witches of Eastwick, it's more of like a character choice with like, isn't it funny seeing Jack Nicholson play this silly, horny guy? Whereas I feel like one of the explicit 
goals of Devil's Advocate is convincing the audience like, hey, Al Pacino, the actor, he fucks. Yeah. We're worried you don't know that Al Pacino fucks, and we really want you to know that Al Pacino fucks. He has a whole monologue about how, yeah, you might not think I fuck, but I fuck. You're like, no one asked. No one cares. He's very personal. Very personal. He's like, you don't get it. I sneak up on you and I fuck. And you're like, what? What? The question was, how is your bagel? (laughs) Well, my bagel reminded me a little bit of an asshole, which is that I Can we talk about the most logical part of the whole movie, which is Don King being friends with the devil? Sure. That shit. Sure. I did wonder if everybody told Don King that he was playing the devil in this movie before they had him do that. Because, like, if Don King just thought he was shaking hands with, now, but you know, yeah, did Don King even know they were filming a movie or did nope. they just show up at a fight? And then Don King was like, Oh, shit, Al Pacino, I'm gonna go Al Pacino's say hi. here, yeah, Al Pacino that's and his what happened. Keanu Reeves, hot, hot, yeah. new star Keanu Reeves are here to like yell and shit, yeah, and they're gonna say hi. My other thing that's wild that I feel like if you were to pitch somebody on this now instead of in 1997, if you were like, All right, it's this movie. And Keanu Reeves is married to Charlize Theron, but there's this other hot woman that's trying to break up their marriage, played by Connie Nielsen. People would be like, are you sure you don't have that backwards? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Connie Nielsen, very attractive in this movie. But also, I was like, Connie it's Nielsen? Like is- it's like if Margot Seven. Robbie was the first wife in Wolf of Wall Street. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're already with Charlize Theron. Like, you can't go up from here. Charlize Theron's accent in this is not perfect, but it does sound like somebody from Florida. She is from somewhere in Florida. I buy it, especially when she yells, she leans into it in a way that really works, in a way that Kiana's doesn't. But like, she's incredibly good in this. And this is also the rare horror movie where I'm just like, if I'm Keanu Reeves in this, take away all the evil stuff I've done, but really just like the way she is acting and the things she's doing and the things I'm seeing might be a little hard to believe. Charlize yeah. is great. She is fucking, she is honestly outacting Keanu and keeping up with Pacino. Yeah. But unfortunately, not even Charlize Theron can pull off the screaming bloody murder line, they took my ovaries. They took my ovaries! They took my ovaries, Kevin. Right. I mean, sure. that's a tough line for any actress to pull off. Yeah, like that's a way to put it. That is definitely someone in the writer's room being like, so how do we make this subtext text, you guys? And since we are talking about the writers, I mean, I I just want to call out, this movie is credited to Jonathan Lemkin and the great Tony Gilroy, who rewrote this movie for Taylor Hackford. Um, It's pretty astounding because out of context, any single scene of this movie is written kind of well. Like, there's some yeah. parts that you go like, well, that's a good scene. Once you realize it connects to absolutely nothing, it becomes a huge <laughs> failure. Like, they're yeah. not, none of the scenes add to anything, and none of them have any sort of character arc. But, like, you see a scene and you go, that was kind of an interesting scene. Those people said stuff to each other, and and they're talking about some interesting things. It feels like 
they're talking about Milton and Paradise Lost and the notion of desire. And you go, well, this this might be a deep movie. It is not. Yeah, Spoiler. It is not. It is a base level religious Christian parable. Like I feel like yeah, I feel like for somebody that really knows very little about Christianity, it feels like I I don't I don't know I don't know Tony Gilroy, I don't know Jonathan Lepkin or Andrew Niederman, who's you know wrote the book. The book, yeah. I mean, honestly, you look at especially like the plot of the movie with like you know the charismatic corrupting mentor, the hotshot protagonist. Yeah, the, the inspiration for this movie, far more than Paradise Lost, is Wall Street. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And Faust. And Faust. And a weird, like it's it's interesting because the supernatural element of this is, feels really tacked on. The more like the more times yes. I watched it, it felt super tacked what, on. I'm like, don't you what you don't like this... it when Predator takes out when like. The invisible homeless people take out pedophile vice principal from Ferris Bueller. I mean, I mean, I like that part. I'm not gonna lie. We don't have I really to have like that. I really like seeing that particular actor get pummeled to death. Yeah, like that's fun. I mean, we don't have Jeffrey to make Jones. any comment about class, but like Jeffrey also, Jones has a real of... punchable face. What it is? Oh my god, there's a there's a punchability. It's the crime. It's the crimes. The crimes. It's the crimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the and all that shit. Maybe he had Keanu Reeves in fandom. That not yeah. him. I mean, him. I think yeah. he hit the nail with like every individual scene stuff. Because like, I had so much fun. I found this to be like a honestly a really entertaining watch. I like this movie a lot. The idea is that like we are going to show the gradual corruption of Keanu. It's hard to have it be an arc when the starting point is he's getting off like head of like sexual molesting teachers that he knows is guilty yeah like that's, that's right. yeah. like that's point that's point a where does point b even go from there right and not only is right. guilty but like is miming under the table molesting a child as she's discussing it like so gross in the like, room yeah and the like, smile he gives the mirror is fucking like well time to get a pedophile off smile and and I, I for one, was hugely distracted by the casting of Heather, uh, I'm going to say her name wrong, Matrazara from Welcome to the Dollhouse. This is like two years after Welcome to the Dollhouse. And I was like, I'm very distracted by the fact that she's so good and she's got this awful part. Um, Oh, and I I recognize her as uh, Martha Meeks from the Scream movies. Right, that's right. Other moments that were really weirdly distracting Delroy Lindo is in this movie, and they don't yeah. credit him. Playing yeah. a voodoo priest for two yeah. seasons. Like, yeah. Am I not supposed to realize that that's Delroy Lindo? And yeah, I'm a very wealthy voodoo priest, by the way. Yeah. Who's got, yeah. like, tons of money. For some reason. I want to know the movie about that guy. Yeah. Like, no, that was a studio note. You could, like, that is such a studio note, which was, like, Wait a minute, how did the guy who lives in a basement with tongues in his refrigerator have this money to hire them? And they're like, oh, we'll fix it. Don't worry. So yeah, they yeah. they they throw in that line that like, oh, he's got $15 million. Like, what? Yeah. Which is interesting because like you have Al Pacino say it. And you know, you're right, like the, this movie is basically like a bunch of little one-act plays yes. together. Yeah. And then, you know, and each play is nice, but like, yeah, there's no arc. Keanu has no arc. Like he starts at, you know, he he basically has to have someone be like, 
you're the, you know, spoilers, your dad is the actual devil and like killed your wife or something. No way into the, like two hours into the movie, does Keanu yeah. realize that his boss is the, that his boss named John Milton, whose office is a flaming circle and has been corrupting everything. And to mad- make matters worse, that guy was pretending to be a waiter in 66 when his mom was in town? Like, I don't buy that this guy was a waiter on any level. There's no level that I see. Doing, like, something on the side, like, you know, he's like, I'm going, this is my grandmaster plan. I'm going to fuck this Baptist, like, Bible-thumper kid and then make the Antichrist with her kid and like, I mean, I guess if you look at By it, the way, it, it takes a week. He waits on her for a week and sleeps with her on the last day. Now, if you're the fucking devil, you you can sleep with her right off the bat. But no, he's like, that you know what I need? Crazy. I need a you're week. Right. You're right. Yeah. That's the most unrealistic part of this movie. Yes. That Pacino waited a week. <laughs> waited a week. And I mean, that's how she was. I was looking up. Uh, can trivia. I get you some more bread? By the way, I was, beautiful eyes. <laughs> what? I was looking up some trivia about this movie, and it turns out that the pedophile teacher at the beginning now runs the State Department of Education under DeSantis. That's true. That's not true. Come on. That's Is Chris that Bauer. No, no, that's no, no. I, I mean, that's an actor. I'm just fine. I'm just okay. I'm just taking a no, shot at DeSantis because he's an evil fascist fuckface. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and, and I okay. do want to say a- that we we talked a little bit of shit about how this movie comes together. Uh, it is directed by Taylor Hackford, who is also responsible for an officer and gentleman against all odds, bound by honor, Dolores Claiborne, Ray, which uh, I believe he won an Oscar for as well. So, like, he's, you know, he's, he's got both. Current president, of the, yeah, current president of the DGA since 2009. It's a well-directed movie. I mean, yeah, yeah. I said, I like. I really like this movie. I had a lot of fun watching it. I really enjoyed this one. It's well made. I mean, there it feels 90s in that it's a movie where it's like, yeah, we're a big budget movie. We're an adult drama. We don't give a fuck about appealing to anyone but adults. Yeah. We're going to be horny. We do but- not care about franchises or IPs. Like True. And also, we're going to say the biggest evil in the world is lawyers. Like, the whole thing just felt really, like, late 90s in that regard. And and I guess just to put it into a historical perspective, this movie got uh, put into turnaround and got fast-tracked after, what? The OJ trial. Amazing. Because lawyers are the worst thing on the planet so they oh. thought oh what if they were demons tell like me, well, tell me that like that uh pacino's like right hand man who recruits keanu like tell me that guy isn't just meant to be johnny cochran of course he is yeah absolutely absolutely and then the comment this like a weird comment that keanu makes in the beginning about like oh you're black oh he goes yeah he goes like oh he's like oh what a good prank you being black it's like what the fuck it's that's they said they that feels as accurate florida to to gainesville as as possible i I heard him say that and i was like yeah actually Uh, (laughs) at that club now i know this is a movie about the devil but when the mom refers to New York, when the incredibly religious rural Florida lady calls New York a dwelling place of demons, 
we all know what she means, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we know what that's fucking the dog whistle for. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a that's a you people. Yeah. Yeah. I know what I'm fucking. I know what I'm being fucking targeted and I <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh she means Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson. So when I realized coaches, that Craig T. Nelson York. Was, Craig T. Nelson, the like what if Donald Trump did a triple murder? Can't yeah. Like, like that fucking apartment. That crazy ass, like, fucking New Jersey meets Versailles gold as fuck apartment. It's straight out of, that's straight out of Trump Tower. Oh, Trump yeah. does get a name drop in this movie. He does. Yeah, he does. He's that's supposed to be at the party, but he had a business emergency, so he couldn't be there. Business emergency. Yeah. He had some people to go kick out of their houses. Yeah. Right. Also, the the character in Craig T. Nelson, who is ultimately sleeping with his stepdaughter in this story, or at least implied to be sleeping with his stepdaughter in this story, yep. who has been yep. very mad about the fact that he can't have unsupervised visits with his stepdaughter, who he really loves throughout the movie, and then like gets to get back near her once he gets exonerated, and then is like, creepily rubbing her back and Keanu's like oh I've done something wrong now it's like yeah like, that's the moment okay, like, now this is your, your wife just killed herself or your wife is you know yeah like I, I this, can't remember where that was yeah that's the thing like that should work as a very effective step on his road of corruption but where it is in the movie you like but the events I just started again it's like why is this so how much worse is this than where you started in Florida? Right. Right. Honestly, like, I'm kind of with him in the point where I'm hanging out with Al Pacino. Like, so far, nothing really objectionable. I mean, there's a few objectionable things that have been going on that are, like, explicit. But, so, like, the dude, like, I'll get into it in the recap. The wildest like, part of this movie is when the Al Pacino, the devil, is being more emotionally healthy and mature like there's that wild scene where he's like hey maybe quit this case and like go help your wife like maybe don't defend this clear murderer and instead help your wife not have a psychotic breakdown that's the responsible thing to do and it keanu again we get in the last scene of his own free will goes nah yeah and that's the that's one of the very interesting things about the devil situation in this movie is that the interpretation of the devil as an enabler is right. always really interesting to me. Like that being like you can't he can't make you do anything. He gives you the choice. And the conversation that Keanu has with him at the end where he's talking about, well, this was entrapment and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, if you remember you said yes and to all of these things. Right. Like, I just was here giving you money. And you could have, you know, not, you could have said no anytime. Now, that's more You could have painted the apartment green. Yeah. And that's more complicated, of course, because, like, he's been, he's he's offering all this temptation and all this kind of stuff. But at the, at the bottom line, you know, he did give Kevin Lomax choices. Now, if this movie had more to do with, like, who the devil is and all this kind of shit 
Like, I think it might have been a little bit more interesting. Like, I feel like there's there was a point where, you know, the fact that he was, like, in there boiling fucking holy water with his finger. And I'm like, you know, he was oh, trying I to. Bit. I mean, I yeah, love it. Yeah, that fucking works for me. I, 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 I dug that. I love it. I just feel like it's a different movie. Like, that's the prophecy. Like, that's the movie the bride was supposed to be. And then, you know, and the prophecy had a more, like, involved supernatural plot. It just didn't do it very well. And then this movie had, like, we have a very interesting discussion to make about law and capitalism and choice and, you know, and all these things. And... Also, we're going to make the Antichrist on a fucking altar out in my apartment. Like, you know, somebody's like, Rosemary's baby. And not, yeah, like, the, the, the devil's want rules. comes really late in this movie. His, like, yeah. his want comes super late. And we're just like, wait, that's it? Like, that's yeah. the thing you've been pushing? And by the way, it's a piss poor plan. It's yeah, a bad I, plan that you've got one guy and you've got one shot at this and you thought this whole buildup was going to work. Like, like, this is a bad plan, dude. Like, no, it's such a bad plan. Like, his only plan, like, I've seen Secession. His plan is to, like, engineer a fail son. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just get any random fucking fascist that came, that comes out of a British boarding school. Yeah, that's Donald Trump's right there. Like, that's the real story. Donald Trump, by the way, speaking of this, Emily. Yes. Everything about this movie seems sort of quaint. Like all the horrible things everybody right. does. I just go, oh, I'd like to go back to a time when we were all horrified by these things. Like <laughs> this feels so fucking tame. And we have people that are theoretically not the devil doing things that are a thousand times worse right now. So this, I wish I could go back to the time that this movie is talking about because I mean, everyone is so horrified. I think the yeah. only thing in this movie that's as offensive now as it was then is Pacino's hair dye. Sure. <laughs> I mean, let him yeah, have I, it. I think let him have that one. Of, I all, think of, this, of all of the murder and genocide, know one thing the hair dye was You know what? Dye. That's gender affirming care in its own right. That's no. right. Sure. So, so here's the thing for me, and I think as as writers, you guys will feel this. And part of the reason that like you you there are so many scenes in this that you're like, ah, oh, yeah, great scene, didn't belong in this movie. It's just right. like this feels like there were zero darlings harmed in the making of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, every, no darlings were killed. Yeah, every yeah. idea I, you I, had made it in there, and not all of them work. But like, this, you want to know how to lie down? Pacino you sticks to... his finger in the holy water. Fucking cool. Doesn't no. belong there. <laughs> Like, the ultimate the, darling that was not killed in this movie, and the ultimate example of I really can't tell how much Al Pacino ad libbed is the entire scene that's just Al Pacino talking about this awesome chicken he knows that plays tic tac toe and never they loses. They don't show. They don't no, we show don't get the to see the chicken. It's the biggest. I kept it waiting. Is. I'm like, I kept expecting to be like Chekhov's tic tac toe chicken. Yeah, yeah. Like, they have it's the like, whole I'm gonna fucking... chow. CGI, like hellscape, like the people making out behind fucking Al Pacino, but they can't give us one tic tac toe chicken. I honestly thought it was gonna be like devil. It's gonna, it was gonna be like fucking uh seventh whatever, like with death or the other Keanu Reeves movie where the, I'm where with that you. Involves that death. was such a missed Bill opportunity. Yeah, that I was, was gonna be like, I was expecting like, hey. Hey, Al Pacino, devil, I challenge you to a game. And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, do I have, 
tic-tac-toe and my standard, the chicken. Who oh, that's good. That's really good. Like, no, the chicken never loses. I'm that, That's good. My version would be beat one, they talk about the chicken. Beat two, they go see the chicken, right? And he's got that line where he's like, you're like that chicken. And I'm like, okay. And then beat three is they have dinner and Pacino gives a little smile and he's like, Guess what you're eating? The yeah. tic tac toe chicken. And then I'm like, oh shit. Like, I'm gonna eat you. Oh, no, I'm just eating you. That Pacino yeah. is also the chicken's dad. He's also and the that, chicken's and dad. And that's why the chicken never <laughs> loses. Yeah. Like, that's right. situation turned into a chicken. Part? He's like, he's like, shit. Well, I guess I gotta go back to the like the chicken antichrist plan. That's Which a good first. idea. The the one other before we just like drop into the the recap here because we do need to get that eventually is the <laughs> the one scene that really bothered me as it was happening is the scene where he is having sex with his wife and she keeps turning into connie nielsen's character throughout the thing and he has very little reaction if anything yeah excuse me yeah cool. there's no point where he's like i was definitely just fucking a different woman hold right? on like this is not this is not okay even if, like, even if he's pretty okay with cheating on her, which really this makes the last scene a lot harder to swallow, that he's, like, seeing somebody else, like, he's seeing this woman he clearly wants to fuck while fucking his wife, and he's cool with that. And then, like, at the end, when it's, like, the devil's like, actually, my plan is for you to fuck this woman you already wanted to fuck. It's like, huh. Again, that I really feel like... Where at least it'd be, like, a little unnerved by the situation. I really feel like if he hadn't mentioned that they were siblings, Pacino's whole plan would have worked. Right? Yeah. By the way, tell him later. Yeah. 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 I wrote, I wrote down during that scene. This is the most belabored sex scene with beautiful people that I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Like it is so awkward with like the most beautiful people that you're excited to see them having sex. And it's so belabored. And he sucks on her toe in this awkward oh, just way, it. and it's like, I had that in my notes. Just like, hey, just throw, like, just throwing a bone to the feet, people. I was like, yeah. what is happening? You don't suck and then toe until the devil shows up, <laughs> right? And then she's like, where are you? And I was like, if her, if his seeing the other woman takes him out of what he's doing, then isn't that a bad plan? Like, aren't you doing yeah. the wrong thing? The sex thing that worried me the most in the movie was the scene where Keanu bites Charlize's earring off. I agree. Sure what the, I'm not sure what the mechanics of that were, but I'm worried. I was worried I, about that as well. I think it was kind of like it was some, some sort of like tying the cherry stem in a knot kind of trick that he uh-huh. did. And it's very like a throwaway thing. And their whole like a relationship is very passionate, you know? And I feel like it's a little overboard in a yes. couple ways where I'm like, why are you, you just walked out of this church and I know you're supposed to be like this flashy lawyer that just fucking, you know, defended a pedophile and what, you know, and then now the fact that you guys are all like, you know, making out in front of the church is like, oh, isn't that cute? And I'm like, which one's the devil in this yeah, one? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> also the fact that the mom seems to hate Shirley's Theron when they first go to the church to see her. And the next time we will see the mom, she loves Charlize Theron. That's the best thing that's ever happened to her, to her son. Everything's great. And because she's now, I guess, I guess because she's seen the man that she had 
sex with 40 years ago and hasn't changed a day since then. Uh-huh. Now she's like, well, at least she's at least she's got the white. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I want I want to jump in on this. Talk more about that, Jeremy. Are you picturing in 1966 that Pacino looks exactly the yes. same? Yes. That's okay. Incredible. I like this better. I like this way better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's incredible. It's not Godfather One Pacino. It's Devil's it's... Advocate Pacino. Still. That's incredible. If you. If you had seen this guy and he didn't act like Al Pacino, he just acted like a waiter and who, you know, quoted verses of the Bible to you. And like 30 years later, you came to New York and you saw this Pacino in the elevator. Would you immediately pick him out as the same guy? Would you be like, hmm? I mean, maybe if it's, if this is like her trauma, I guess, maybe. But I like. Think- Maybe like I mean he could have been a waiter. He was like a waiter at a restaurant because I guess that's the hardest part to imagine for me. Bartender. I mean that's right. I imagine that he was just like pretending to be a waiter. Yeah, and doing like I'm definitely like I'm the owner of this. Right. He 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 had to convince her because she's like fucking pure as fuck, and he had to convince her. He really needed to nail this sixteen-year-old. Like, what is this about teenagers that everyone in this movie wants to fuck teenagers? Yeah, it's a real, it's a real pedo movie, you guys. Yeah, listen, I don't know what to tell you. It's a big pedo movie. It's so pedo. It's practically Democrat. Yeah, it's practically Democrat. Yeah, the movie like definitely starts with like Charlize being like. She's all aboard this like hedonistic New York lifestyle, and she's gonna further push Keanu into the arms of the devil. And then it just fucking turns on a one eighty. Yeah, yeah. By the way, can we also agree that it's like three years later? This movie is two two thirds of the firm. It's basically the oh, yeah. plot of the firm, and then at the end they're like, "But supernatural, we're, yeah, but we're bad because it's because the devil." Like, it's not firm, yeah. but we just shove Lucifer in there. It's like Lucifer. That's right. Do we That's get right. Lucifer? Do we get Pacino nagging people into hair advice? TM, 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 TM. Um, can I, I do the? Pitch. Can I do the re- recap? Yeah, go ahead yes. and do the recap. Let's because I do talk about the nagging and I, a lot of the things to talk about. Okay. I'll go for them really quickly. Okay, we didn't talk about the stars. We talked about a few of the stars: Keanu, Al Pacino, Keanu Reeves, Charlize Theron, Jeffrey Jones, Judith E. Bay. Connie Nielsen, Craig T. Nelson, Tamara Tunier, and as Jeremy has written here by special permission, the various accents of Keanu Reeves, which are characters in and of themselves. Where do we begin? But the South, it's Florida, not Louisiana this time, like an angel heart. But here we find defense attorney Kevin Lomax, who's Keanu Reeves' character. He's facing a small moral conflict before bullying a teenage rape victim in court. Yikes. So he wins that case, and we've mentioned the details of that. Another one for Kev's record, his wife, Marianne, uh, played by Charlize Theron, and shady reporter Harry, played by Neil Jones, and other peers celebrate the, vi- the victory defending the serial rapist and pedophile at a very wide Florida club. And here is where a uh, remarkably black man, as Kevin remarks heavily on the fact that he is black. Lehman, is it Lehman or Lemon? Lehman, Lehman I suppose. Yeah, uh, I like Lemon, but that's different. Okay, Lehman Heath, played by Ruben Santiago Hudson, offers him an offer he can't refuse, and that he uh, offers him a job in the big city, which is New York, of course. Kev's mom, a careworn career Christian, apparently 
reveals that New York was mentioned in Revelations specifically. <laughs> I know it's Babylon, but she says she basically is like, you should read Revelations so you don't go to New York. All right. Kev assures her that he loves his mom just like he loves his wife. Yeah. Those are words that he said. No wonder he can't get his wife pregnant. Anyway, so, and I make a remark about how they yeah, should He's doing it wrong. Her. He has to love his wife like he loves his sister. Yeah, I mean. Hot take. Hot. <laughs> we have some kind of confusing makeup choices for Charlize Theron, but let's move past that. Anyway, Kevin earns his new spot at Duichi and Benhao by helping pick a jury. The uh, firm is fancy and international and has hot Italian ladies. On top of it all, Al Pacino, playing John Milton, probably the least obvious double alias we've gotten so far in these movies. There is a, an incredible non-OSHA-compliant balcony in his office at this firm that is never... That balcony fucking rules. Never referred to. Like, I was expecting somebody to fall... Like an angel, perhaps from yeah, heaven. The, the, the New York great call. The New York porn in this movie is just up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there's some New York porn that is obviously like blue screened in, but like this. Oh my like, god! Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like seen of him and uh, Connie Nielsen outside the party. Oh my god! Very blue yeah. screened. Yeah. So this this balcony, which is basically a death trap, which they make a comment about, or visually at least. It's, you mean it's the infinity of, pool to hell? <laughs> yeah, the infinity hell pool. But at least Al Pacino can do his old razzle-dazzle. And now Kev and Marianne have a fancy apartment so she can have all the 4,000 babies that she wants. We then meet a Broads gallery of presumably corrupt as hell apartment heads, including one who leads the quote-unquote Islamic subdivision, which we never unpack that. But the fact that it's there, we're going to have to unpack that. Oh, at least sure. a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, but hey, the hot Italian lady, Cristabella, she is uh, also there. Keanu's first case in, with this enormous fancy international firm is defending a Creole immigrant who lives in a basement doing animal sacrifice. But it's cool because he casts a spell, the, the client casts a spell against Kip's competition, which apparently works. And this brings nothing to the film, but there's, there's voodoo now. We do like the fact that he does voodoo undercuts the fact that Keanu Reeves is like doing a, a whole like a whole bit using religion to defend I absolutely have that note it is a yeah. vote of no confidence to Keanu's uh, work he's basically saying oh you're not going to be able to win so I'm going to cheat and yeah. then he wins and I was like but did he win because the guy did his thing that seems yeah. like a, a real issue that seems like a problem yeah, this it is a different like movie. Delroy Lindo just wanted to show off like his big crazy tongue and his cool nail collection. Yeah, like, <laughs> he doesn't want to show off the big crazy tongue. Like, I want to know the story about Philippe Boyer and like. Yeah, I mean, the know, fact that voodoo is real doesn't impact the plot ever again. No, nope. and this like guy that lives in a basement. I guess they just wanted to show someone sacrificing a goat and have Keanu Reeves talk about goats a lot, and then he appeals to a Jewish judge in, in, in Jewish ways, which is. Another one that maybe we're going to unpack. But so anyway, so the spell works. We don't know if it's Keanu or what. It's weird. That's what we get out of this bit is that it's it's. I weird. mean, it's implied that like Delroy Lindo is just like, yeah, I knew that shit would work. You're welcome. Yeah. So and he's uh, buddies with the devil, which 
You'd think a voodoo priest and the devil being buddies would be plot relevant, but it's not. No, no. And that's also not how it works. From what I know about, the, you know, it's the less offensive the, than the, the arts vo- depiction of voodoo, voodoo, I gotta say. Whether, it, whether it's, you're talking about voodoo or the law, correct. That's not how mm-hmm. it works. Yes, I, exactly. So now we get a scene between Al, you know, Keanu, they're walking through the um, NYC streets, a lot of unintentional question mark symbolism in the background but al pacino does make fun of keanu's accent which is why i included it in our recap it's very important and then you know they don't show the tic-tac-toe chicken that's a crime instead we watch shirley's throne agonizing over interior decoration why she doesn't just hire somebody with their millions of dollars i guess she just needs to be frustrated about by the way i I, i'm gonna weigh in and say she blows it like the walls are horrific colors when they cut back to it. There's a yellow against the like a terrible burnt sienna. I'm just yeah. like, what are you? It's it's horrific. I go, she, you the, fuck this first girl, color. Green, girl, the you fuck this up. Is the most yeah. insane green color like yeah. possible. She's yeah. a Florida trash hole, and you're letting her do- design this entire apartment, and and it, and it's the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, it let is, her do the wrong thing. That feels realistic to me. Just in that, like, she doesn't hire somebody to do it. She should. But being a poor kid from Florida, you're like, I can yeah. do this. I, I will can do, it. do and it. And she buys the smallest couch for the biggest room. And you're just going, what were you doing? She's she's just listening to her gal pals who are fucking with her, which I think that's the, that's the whole point of the lot of this, is that her gal pals are fucking with her because they're rich right. and she's poor and she's... You know, not used to the big city. This, this is right. also it's like she's this as well. bored and isolated, which I don't know. It's kind of hard in New York when you're that rich. There's a lot of shit to do. Well, like the, <laughs> the, the, the thing that drives me a little crazy in this section is they her Galpel does actually suggest to her that one of the things you can do, the two are like being bored and, and breeding, but that you could get a job. She never attempts to. to go she never even right attempts to get yeah. a job. It's well, like, she makes you're fate. very rich. You don't have to find a job where you can make money. You can be a comic book writer. <laughs> so, that's right. Well, she's coming like, off of this spectacular job repoing cars over the phone. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she doesn't have a passion in life, aside from, I guess, have a kid, which I guess wouldn't be happening anyway regardless. So, like, I don't know, get a dog. Yeah. Get a, well, into that board. Get a fucking get, get a dog. I'm sure the devil has really cool dogs that you can like, get. I hate to say how much of this, the like the conflict in this movie could have been avoided with a golden retriever. Yeah. yeah. Or like in vitro fertilization, which I'm sure they can afford at that point. Like, I don't know. Or like, but... I don't know, just fucking like adopt and like adopt a foreign baby it was yeah, the 90s yeah. you could just by like, the way get him on that store. hoa it would suck the devil's hoa i mean that's a whole story they're gonna be like there's no dogs in that building yeah the devil is not gonna let you have a dog in his fucking building only goats only goats only goats yes and only goats in the that. building oh yes. black, only goats like, in the building like the uh, the goat from vivid's like I love that show. black <laughs> philip black peter Black Phillips. Yeah, yeah, Black Phillips got a fucking apartment on the 15th floor. Speaking of the HOA, Kev and Marianne go to a fancy ass party for networking and shit. Donald Trump, that's where Donald Trump was supposed to be there, but um, Mort Zuckerman got in the way. 
Despite promising not to leave Marianne alone, Kev goes and flirts with Christabella, lots of vagina, and then Al negs Marianne. As the prophecy has told us, angels are Italian. But John Meltless apartment, sick as fuck. A new quest is unlocked. Kev now has to defend Coach Alex Cullen, real estate developer, who may have murdered, he definitely murdered, his wife, son, and maid. Marianne, meanwhile, has proceeded with a new makeover and is hanging out with the gal pals. She starts seeing them turn into demons, and then she runs away. And right. th- on a dime, she has now started flipping on the whole big city apartment thing. Kev is like, well, why don't we just bang it out? And then Marianne turns into Christabella, and he sucks on her big toe. And that's when Marianne is like, wait, a- what the fuck are you doing? And then they stop. So Kev's mom comes to visit and meets John. Then she freaks out, too. She stays just long enough to henpeck Kev while things get capitalized complicated with the case in the firm. Nope. That's okay. Can we can we go back to the shopping scene for just a second? Yeah, because let's talk about it that. It does bother me a little bit. One, that, that Marianne is apparently mortally afraid of, of boobs. Of touching boobs? Yeah, of boobs and yeah. touching them. Like, Yeah. yeah. There's a lot I, of homo there. The but, whole thing became this very weird, like, all of a sudden she's this, just this backwoods Florida character who got real uncomfortable with all of the nudity and all, and, and, the, and the talk. And I was like, we have never seen this color of this character yeah, anywhere. She goes yeah. from, like, I'm, like, feeling constrained and trapped to wanting to get free and expand in the big city. Since they being like, I'm just a country girl who doesn't belong in this big city. Right. It's a yeah. weird turn. It's a sharp turn. Yeah, because that's a sharp turn. And the it's character very... of Marianne that we meet in the first 10 minutes of this movie loves to touch other people's tits. She just will do it without yeah. being asked. She needs two shots and she's touching other people's boobs. Like that's it. Right. Like right. I, I know lots of those people. <laughs> Several of it. them have lived in Florida. I am related to some of them. Like, you know, those Bro. people from, from Florida, Southern Georgia, Louisiana, no problem with boobs. But like they keep sort of mixing up the characters of, of Marianne and Keanu's mom, who is like yeah. hyper religious, like very conservative Christian, which like they do live in the same state, Floridians and hyper religious right wing people. But, like, they're not the same people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If if I was Marianne, maybe that reaction would make sense after the demon face. But, yeah. Yeah. And she was already, like... Even then, who doesn't like demon boobs? I mean, that's another thing. It's like, at that point, I'd be like, huh. But, I, yeah, she she flips on a dime and she becomes plot just a plot device. Like, the rest of the movie, she's plot device. Even though she's doing a really great job acting, she's, she's being creating conflict to create conflict also i have to say like in marianne's case there's a lot of horror movies where like people ignore weird things happening until too late in the story and marianne it's like if i saw like if i thought i saw somebody's face and or body do that i'd be like i must have i must have eaten something bad like the first time like like, i freaked out but i'll be like a weird thing and it was gone and i would be like cool that was weird. I yeah, I would definitely, definitely be like, really happen. Like yeah. I would definitely be like, did did I take shrooms and forget I took shrooms? Right, because yeah. I've seen faces turn into those demon faces when I've been on shrooms, and I've been like, damn, these are good shrooms. I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah, I actually found this beat a little. I find these beats muddy because I can't tell if the movie is supposed to be indicating that 
Marianne is is in her head having these breaks with reality? Or are these actual succumbi that have married these lawyers? Or what is going on? Like, everyone yeah. has this moment. And I was like, it happens with Pam later. Yeah, I think it happens. Yeah. And I was like, are they demons? Have they given up their soul? Were they people at one part? Are, did he just hire a bunch of succumbi from fucking hell? Yeah, like I, I'm so in the weeds on some of this. I was just like, what are you trying to tell us? It's kind of, I mean, it's it's metaphorical. Like it's it works as a metaphor. Like if it's something like right before death, I can see this sort of metaphorical thing. Like you see this in like Jacob's Ladder, and, sure, in like Nashville Killers, which is like a fucking whack movie too. But like it also, you know, that is always happening because. It's metaphorical. Well, that's like, what right. happens to women once you take their ability to reproduce as they become demon creatures. Like, oh, yeah. Once apparently. they stop caring about you, making families. Yeah. Once you, yeah. once they stay in the devil's apartment long enough that they, you know, get their ovaries taken out, then they become demons. That's right. And oddly, the same thing happens to older homeless guys uh, in the park. They also lose their, their souls. Yeah. So... Anyway, so Kev is having trouble. His mom is unpacking him. He's, but she's not telling him anything. She waits several weeks until everything gets a lot worse to tell him this important information. She spends so long being like, Kev, I need to tell you. And he goes like, I can, I can. And she's like, okay. instead of just telling him, she keeps going like, I need to tell you. It's like, just fucking tell him. Your dad's yeah. the devil. That's your dad. You're working for your dad. I met your dad in the elevator. That's your dad. Like, like the amount of time we waste by her, she's like insisting that she needs to tell him this instead of just telling him this. Yeah. But okay. So now things are getting complicated. The firm, there's some shit going on. But John is here. He's razzling. He's dazzling. He's starting fights and parting tights. And he's uh, also going to introduce Kev to Don King and Roy Jones Jr., who are playing themselves. Marianne, meanwhile, wakes up in a slasher movie to discover that, discover that the slasher is a child who is playing with her quote her ovaries. I guess it looked That's... like pulled pork. Yeah, it was a lot of just messy stuff. Did not look like you know ovaries and a uterus. It, yeah, it just looked like some some. It looked like job. someone covered a golf Actress. ball in sloppy Joe. It looked more like yeah, it looked like sloppy Joe. You know, ovaries sometimes feel like sloppy Joe, but I I can't say that they look like that. Um, so it's down to she is. She is not worried enough about this baby that has ended up in her house. Yeah, she, she drops the knife. I was like, no, finding a baby in your locked house has more reason to hold on to the knife. Like, yeah, like who yeah. put it there? Who, who you know? How did that baby, baby get there? Out? Yeah, like, well, it seemed like it had dream logic where she's like, oh, this is my baby, and I now exist in a world three years in the future where I have a baby. No, you know she, how you have a dream like, and it's just. You just go into the dream just knowing things, even though the dream doesn't actually explain it. You just have a certain level of context. But she does ask how he got there and whose baby he is, though. Like, Yeah. And then and he's like, check out this cool ovaries I got. Um, I gotta say, I definitely had that experience where, like, man, I was walking home, like, one night, in the, like, through New York, and there was just a baby in a car seat on the sidewalk. And eventually, like, the parent came out from, like, the other side of the car but for about 10 seconds, I'm just staring at this baby being like, oh, no, my night has just gotten way more complicated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, Marianne has a psychotic break over this. She also got news that her, uh, from her doctor that she has some random ovary failure. So we're not sure if the ovary failure announcement was before the vision 
or what, which also makes in a scene that for some reason we don't see. We're not privy to this scene. So now we're supposed to trust the character who is having the psychotic break about a piece of of exposition that apparently is important. Yeah, yeah. It's also like, oh, by the way, you know, maybe someone would have like fucked up dreams and have some maybe a psychotic break if they're one of their big goals in life is to have kids. Yeah. You're right. Like at that point, what's more likely that the devil is fucking with her or she had a nightmare after being given traumatic news? Right. Because it's we don't know how, like, who's they? Who took her ovaries? Did this little kid like reach up and grab him? Like, no. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. And, and, yeah, who's and just they? To, just to God? dig into this just for one more second. Did the God devil who makes a point of saying that he doesn't micromanage tells Marianne how to do her hair and <laughs> then really involved on like a perfect dream that you're going to have. That's absolutely the right thing. And I'm like, huh, feels like micromanaging to me, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, he's also the devil and he lies, but I, you know, that's true. Really do much. Oh, the how about that scene? Hair the- is, is fascinating to me because like, I mean, one, he's right, except for the like cutting part, but like putting the hair up and everything. Like it, she does look good. It does work though. She's Um, Charlie's. She can pull it all off. She even pulls off those. Well, no, she doesn't pull off the white girl dreads they give her in Fast and Furious Eight. She's not. No one can pull off that though. Only Angelina Jolie has ever managed that. But like the the like that scene is interesting from like a character point for him. But like, what does it do that she cuts her hair? Like they never come back to that point. No. I mean, is it supposed to mean that she's falling into his web or that he's using her? It's very confusing that she's being both influenced by him and yet also blaming him for the psychotic breakdown. Some might say being micromanaged by him, but, you know, not the devil. It's very scene to scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have her journey. Oh, no. Talk about her. did we talk about the scene on the subway on the way to the fight where uh, just like the angry Hispanic man like yeah, get no, into an argument and Al Pacino like what was that scene? It that was, was not. Being, I'm like, just going to say from like, a, from like a writing and racism perspective, it's not necessary to tell that man <laughs> that his wife was at home doing crack. That's our spinoff. Like with they, the they were good with, they with, were good with the cheating. Like the crack yeah. was a whole extra layer like also, is that our spinoff podcast on writing and racism? Yeah. On writing and racism. Oh, uh, yeah. That's that one might we might have to do three that right R's now. writing, racism, and arithmetic. Yeah, we can skip the your wife is at home doing crack and just yeah. go to your wife is cheating on you. Like yeah, that man is, is is definitely generally angry enough for that to be enough. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I do like the detail of his special bre- bedspread, though. Like, she's fucking oh, on your special bedspread. Yeah. Special green, because the th- poor things are green because it's fucking Great Gatsby now, apparently. <laughs> well, again, I do feel like this, I really do feel like this movie kind of captured, you know, in hindsight, this feeling of like the 90s as almost like this second roaring 20s. Of like uh-huh. before, yeah. it's got started. a real like because they even they even name drop like the masters of the universe. Like it's all that Tom Wolf, you know, look at us in New York. We can do whatever we want. Uh, sensibility. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a real like end of history. We are the lone superpower. Everything. 
neoliberal capitalism is great and will every end why number will go up forever. That's right. I the, the hair scene real quick. He says the whole thing about how the woman's shoulders are the for the, the front lines of her mystique. Is that a reference to something? Now that I believe that Pacino is, fucking ad-libbed. Yeah, that's like some Pablo Neruda shit. Like I don't even know what's going on there, but like the whole bit where it's like the 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 battleground between her mind and her body is her neck. And I'm like, okay. You know, I think that there's something that we can do with the scene if we had more of Charlize Theron like feeling conflict about a thing that's not like, oh, he told me I should cut my hair, so I'll cut my hair. And am I succumbing? You know, there's no just no attention. We we don't get we don't get the Pacino Theron sex scene. That's that happens off screen. I, I do have to say, like, even as a person who's not, I don't particularly find Al Pacino, like, sexually attractive, but still, like, there's any of those conversations that I can, like, believe because of Al Pacino's, like, charisma. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. the way in he talks, I'm like, he, Al Pacino could tell me anything. In terms of like, Al Pacino's attractiveness, though, what about Godfather 1 Al Pacino? They're all fuckable, except for the current one. <laughs> The current one is a bit... I don't know what's going on. Well, he's not Al. He's Dunk. Dunk Dunkachino. What? Oh, you never saw the Al Pacino Dunkin' Donuts commercials? Yeah, okay, so... What? Yeah, Yeah, look that shit up sometime. Al Pacino, I remember you (laughs) as as you lived. Um... Rest in pepperonis, my dude. There he goes around with donuts, joke. calling himself Dunkachino. I'm, I'm, I'm also like part Italian. I'm just gonna fucking. I hope they gave him just trucks of money for that. Like I yeah, have he to was like, he's like, I'm doing this for the twins. Yeah, They're like yeah, we'll yeah. give you a, we'll give you a, we'll give you a dollar for every Dunkin' Donuts in Boston. And he was like, great, another million dollars. Love it. That's good. Uh, with this movie. And I, mean, I really enjoyed this movie, and so much it does feel like of its time, in that like this is when you can get like yeah like a fifty million dollar like you know like horny drama made, and it could be a big blockbuster, but also in the way where it seems like hey the most important thing we have to talk about is just is just how successful America is. And are things now so good that they're bad that I feel like reminds, it feels like of this era, like this late 90s era where you get movies like, you get this and American Beauty and Fight Club. And it all just kind of feels like it's coming from like, what in hindsight now just feels like adorable naivete I about know. history. I know. Like, oh, don't you feel sorry for these guys that have everything and now they have to destroy the fucking establishment because they're bored? Like, anyway, that was Fight Club. This, all right, let me, okay. So Marianne is upset. And then John Milton's right up close to Keanu Reeves and he's like, you should take care of your wife. No, really, like, you should really take care of your wife. Like, no, seriously. And then, Kevin's like, that's what's cra- that's the craziest fucking scene is when the devil is literally the angel on Keanu's shoulder. Yeah, yeah, and and that's another bit where it's like where the devil is. It, there's this. It's an interesting and complex take on the idea 
of Satan. And there's a lot of other stuff that comes on in the dialogue and, you know, the, uh, one of the one X plays in the, in the, uh, um, I totally buy it. And it, it's like in this, like Pacino's mindset of being like, sure, I can just keep corrupting it every turn, but isn't it so much funnier and better if I actually give him good advice and he just doesn't listen on his road to corruption? I mean, it's a it's a very like Hades, you know, Orpheus coming out of the underworld situation, right? Like you, all you have to do is one thing. Inverse nicking. Yeah, I cannot do the I cannot do the Orpheus story. No, I I get that Hades sound is great. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm not, I won't see it. I can't do. That's fine. I can't do the fucking Orpheus story again. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Who's it's that? what it is. I haven't seen Hades Town. I haven't seen. I, I've I've watched people play. I Hades. played Hades, but that yeah. you know that was like happy. What if everything had happy endings? Orpheus was a really great Fem Robert Smith, and I really appreciated that. Oh, I love the Fem Robert Smith design. Oh, okay, okay, but let me finish this movie, and then we can talk more about Fem Robert Smith, like the Sandman. The so Kevin does some fast talking. By the way, yeah, he decides, like, I'm going to win the trial, and then I'll take care of my wife. See? Both. Oh, the uh, rationale he has is because he's worried that if he quits the case and takes care of her, and she gets better, he'll resent her for it. Yeah, talking about, like, worries. Yeah, like, you know, I get it. I have OCD. Like, I get it. But at the same time, like, there are there there are strata of this anyway so anyway he's being dumb and so he does some fast talking and things look good for the case suddenly he's a partner eddie barzoon our jeffrey jones gross pedophile guy is all oh my god what the fuck i'm jealous derogatory his character like, also makes no goddamn sense yeah None. he's randomly there to be beat up during a monologue which we will now get like what is um, eddie barzoon's motivation He's there to to kowtow to the devil, and then when he's he thinks he has an angle on him by like shredding documents, but he's might we well we'll get to it. He's the devil's uh, old bitch, and Keanu's yeah, his new bitch. So right, yeah. right, he's really, right. He's, yeah. By the way, again, scene that sidesteps all drama. Like, why wouldn't we have John Milton trying to make Keanu or trying to make Kevin a partner? as part of the conversation. So everyone yeah. goes, oh, I don't, he hasn't been here long enough. He hasn't earned it yet. Well, I think he did. He blah, 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 blah. Like, that's a scene. That's drama. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Now it's like, no, no, we snuck your name into paperwork. Like, what? What? That makes yeah. no sense. I think it's supposed to be a plant that John Milton has been watching his son for years. But like, why would you put a guy's name in your charter years before he even shows up? Like, why did yeah. I'm so with the weeds on this idea? Also, yeah, it's also like he wants to be like in he wants to be in on he like he wants to be made partner, but also he's working with the Justice Department to take Milton down. Like, yeah, he's got like he's he's juggling some things to see who wins. Like he's you know he's right. in that first circle of hell of people that won't. You know, commit. I will say Pacino's speech about Eddie Barzoon and how he represents what the 21st century person is going to be has unfortunately aged very well. <laughs> yeah, well. Also, so, I know. do want to say Eddie Barzoon runs like somebody who's only just heard of jogging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's a brand new thing. I think Eddie, Bar- it up Eddie Barzoon runs like somebody who 
only re- got the scenes in the script that said his character would run after he had signed and tried to see if he could get out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, yeah, so Kev tells Melton that Eddie was mean to him and then through a monologue about capitalism, John tells, uh, John uses his diabolical acting powers to summon some invisible demon people experiencing homelessness to be Eddie to death. There's a weird, oh, there's a the, weird like, red I, herring in this whole sequence because he starts, like, not seeing people and then seeing people. And then the first people that he's afraid of are a bunch of Well, I do love that it's just, it's just the predator then, effect. It's just invisible, like, predator. Yeah, they don't really, like, do a lot I know it's CG. I know it's not the fine. most original observation, but I do love just the sense of, like, the focus on individualism and following your dreams of if everyone being the most special center of their own universe, then there's just destroying any sense of actual community. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'd listen to Al Pacino yell about that. I'd sure. rather just see him do it rather than watching yeah. like this, this sort of co- coinciding murder happen that is, have I mean, I think full it's of weird messaging why at a certain point the movie just drops the pretense and says fuck it we're just gonna end with 15 minutes of pacino going crazy yeah right i mean again two hours and 30 minutes or uh 90 minutes was i the only one who did not believe that where this guy was running uh charlize theron would be able to see him get attacked yeah i was like that didn't work in the least i was like i'm not buying that that no that's your that geography does not make sense. No, I don't think she saw it. I think she just was like feeling it happen. Which but she's also feeling it happen while that. looking out the window, which and banging yeah. on the window, like hey, like and that. By the way, what you just pitched, Emily, would have been more interesting if that was happening. I would have been like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, and that's what I thought was going on. <clears throat> I have. I will admit now that I have had the advantage of seeing this movie so many times because it was on like regular rotation on like Cinemax or something like when I, in, in 1998. I mean, or the not, middle of this movie is basically a Cinemax movie. It's all Cinemax. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So like it was a very big Cinemax one and it was one of the cable channels that I guess we had or, you know. Sure. I gotta say, some, there's a lot of things in this movie that feel like a feel like a TV show, including the Eddie Barzoon plot, which feels like the like the third season of a show about like Lomax, where yeah. like right. there's this whole thing where he's got this other, you know, he's the rival guy, and over the course of like eight episodes, you know, this thing unfolds and he gets killed by you know by Milton. It's like I mean, there is the, it's like the introduction of the idea that there is a guy from the State Department. The murdering of Eddie Barzoon, the introduction of the guy from State Department, the State Department, and the subsequent murder of the guy from the State Department takes place of like ten minutes in the middle of this movie. Right for a movie, this really does have an episode of the week feel. Yeah, yes. well, and I think that's also one act play situation that we've got going on. I do not believe that the devil has any role whatsoever in Weaver's death. That man, all on his own. Just fucking walk straight into a busy road without looking in either direction oh, yeah. and then just gets nailed. Like, that's not like that feels like, like why blame the devil that when this man that's just right. couldn't be. Do you know how just... I know you're right? Because the devil doesn't micromanage because yeah. he doesn't do that. He was too busy going like, hey, God, pull my finger. Yeah. yeah. He's used to walking through D.C. traffic. You see, he's from the State Department. So that's right. New York just murders him right that's away. Right. 
Coach Cullen is absolutely guilty. We now we now know because the woman he was allegedly fucking during the murder can't say whether or not he's circumcised, which gives Kev pause, but he pulls through and decides to go with it, wins the case, hurrah. But Marianne is this now- This is why the church. movie was on Cinemax. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's plot points like this that really show you why this- And that and the fact that everybody gets naked in this movie. Yeah. Charlize gets full frontal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she does. But not in a scene where, where she's having sex with Keanu. No, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, so... If Charlize's full frontal scene gets you off, get therapy, work on yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marianne is in a church covered in wounds. She's claiming that she was raped and beaten by Milton. This is all while Keanu was in a courtroom with Milton all day. But she does take off of her, take her her duvet off that she's wearing and reveal her body covered in scratches and cuts and things. It's not great. She's no. immediately institutionalized. Yeah, it's um, not great. And I will just say, side note, the duvet is a terrible color. So you can just imagine what their bedroom looks like. You know, she it's chose an awful that. color. That yeah, she chose. Like, that I would one. like it's to think terrible. that's why she picked it. Where she where before she went out, she was looking at the duvet option and was like, "All right, which is the best." one to like which do they will i not need again i don't think she knows i don't think she knows i think guys i think she thinks that she made good choices in terms of the decoration she doesn't she was just like i don't know that one's that's a weird thing i'll do that right it's like you know when you're hanging out with your art like your super fancy art student friends and they're like whoa how that's so fucking weird and you're like yeah i don't know she's like it's the martha stewart collection it was really expensive and it's like well and that's another thing is that when the scenes that she's like choosing the um the greens uh, or the oh yeah yeah where she's choosing the panels and then kev comes in he's like we'll take it and it's like but let her fucking let her fucking choose yeah bro maybe she yeah anyway maybe she um, stopped because they're ugly not because they were too expensive yeah so she's institutionalized. Kev immediately after she's institutionalized, Kev immediately, go, immediately goes to Eddie Barzian's funeral. All he's out when he really starts thinking about morality and shit. And then he also sees Coach, like, you know, molesting his stepdaughter. Mid Ollie, Mitch Weaver of the Weaver Commission, that was mentioned once or twice earlier in this two hour long film, shows up and he adopts all sorts of exposition on Kev about how Milton is involved with every bad thing ever. It's like Tony Stark wrote worse, et cetera. But then Weaver is immediately struck dead by a BMW whilst Milton boils some holy water with his fingers. So great. I'm glad that we spent some time with that. Meanwhile, Bob Lomax is I like how you, what? I like how you said Tony Stark, but worse. Not Tony Stark, but bad. Tony Stark, but worse. You know where I'm at. I know where you're at. I which is why I am I, I am applauding your choice of like it was a it was a carefully chosen word, and I want to make sure the audience picks up on it. Wherever you are is the year 2023. Um, yes. All billionaires are bad, I guess, except Green Arrow, who knows he's bad. I, I kind of always saw Green Arrow as the deconstruction parody of the billionaire superhero. But anyway, whatever. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Now I'm thinking about that. Okay, anyway. Meanwhile, Mama Lomax has come to take care of Marianne in the hospital. And she does her own bit of arms dealing. Oh, hello. She's dropping a bomb. What's that? Milton is Kev's real dad, as we've talked about in, the, in previous to this. But this is the first time that Kev knows about it. And then while they're talking about that, Marianne kills herself with a piece of broken mirror in the hospital room. 
and Pam is like, okay. So now it's time for the final showdown. Uh, Alicia was watching this with me, and she was very surprised that she didn't just flit her wrists. She went full like seppuku with this thing, just she drove it into her, her throat. throat. Yeah, she yeah. slit her own throat. Fucking, and you know what? And that's the level of hardcoreness that would serve Charlie so well throughout her career. Yeah. All right. So Kevin walks down the very surreal, empty streets of New York to go meet up with Dad, talk about humanity and morality. Apparently, the end game is Kev has got to fuck Christabella on the altar of Milton's apartment in front of his awesome kinetic art on a scale of one to ten. Al Pacino is rocking a six, six, six. That's funny. But rather than sire to the Antichrist uh, with his half sister, which is what is revealed here as well. And I have to mention, he says that it's his half sister and he still like makes out with her. And I don't know if this is like part of his game to like get them into like think that he's gonna do it before he shoots himself in the fucking head. And that's where everyone's like, and then you know, Al Pacino's like he's on fire, he takes off his fire jacket, he's sure. I don't understand why Christabella turns into a mummy when when Milton shoots himself. Or not when Milton shoots himself, when Lomax shoots himself. Because, like, presumably, and I guess this is maybe a general story note, women do exist when men are not on screen or still alive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm genuinely worried, though, that the movie does not know that. Well, there was a lot of things that they did off screen, like get doctor's doctors appointments and fuck Al Pacino. Right. Stick ugly duvets. Yeah. I think I'm just the most hideous, multiple Maybe hideous shades of green. At the doctor's office. That's why it's so... Oh, that, that would okay. be good. Um, yeah. Um, and wow, and, and what's more, John Milton reverts back into fallen angel form. Lucifer is, fallen angel, which is Keanu. Yeah, also, he looks like young... Ke- he looks like Keanu Reeves when he's young. So I, apparently, like, Keanu Reeves looks that way because he his dad was a devil, but then... Christabella just is hot because she's a woman. Right. I will say, though, yeah, he met her mother at the same restaurant. So he was <laughs> pulling a lot of tail at that restaurant that week. He Probably. really did very well. Do she you did know very how well. much ass you can pick up at the Times Square Applebee's? Yeah. So much ass. Oh, yeah. Henry. Oh, my God. That's, that's absolutely where Pacino, where John Milton works. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kidding to the Times Square Applebee's. Yeah, oh yeah. Devil yeah. is definitely employed there. So far, no. yeah. It's that, you know, that the anime, a devil is a part timer. Yeah, that's where that's it right. is. Okay, I haven't actually ever seen one episode of that. Okay, so um, Cameron destroys himself and uh, take that dad. Oh, but it was all just a dream. Oh, I love someone. I love Pacino going, call me dad. Yeah, and this is absolutely. And ending that was tacked on because test audiences were pissed off. Like, it feels extremely test audience mandated. Oh my yeah. god. So yeah, all of it was just a dream where now uh, Kevin wakes up while he's looking in the mirror at the beginning of the movie and then he decides to stop defending the pedophile. Huzzah! But who's this reporter? Harry, I mean Larry's Larry now. Who's Harry before, but now he's Larry. I don't know what that, what's up with that. Wait, is that true? Is that true? Uh, that they he's- totally fucked that up? That he's Larry uh-huh. by the end, and he was oh, Harry at the beginning. Harry at the beginning. Fucking Charlie's Theron calls him Harry. Multiverse. It says 
They drop him into another multiverse. Multiverse. And, you know, and they got the time stone. They got fucking hell. Fucking hell. That's egregious. So Larry is also Satan, but with a different spin. Will he get his man at the end? And here's where I will gesture vaguely around everything around us in today and the, the year of our banana in 2023 and say, yeah, he probably did. I feel um, like the implication is that this is the first in an incredibly long series of movies where he tempts his, his son in different ways uh, yeah. before. But yeah. you know what? Here's the Rolling Stones. So shut up. And that's what I did. I was like, yeah, paint it black. Yeah, diabolical. The thing that Keanu Reeves' accent reminds me most of is a Rolling Stone. <laughs> it never stays in nice. one place. It never gathers any moss. It's yes. nice, always and, moving. And Al Pacino was always doing some weird tongue shit. Like he was uh, the whole time. I think I, I was just. And I really love the moving like, statues. Like I, I especially when it was just glad subtly. you noticed that. Like yeah. when you can tell, yeah, shifting. Oh, it was so cool. I I loved that. You could tell that it, like someone was like, oh, you were the snake in the Garden of Eden. So he was like, I'm going to do some tongue shit. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. movie statues felt like someone went like, hey, I really like fucking Bram Stoker's Dracula. But you know how they like had to work really hard to like get everything in camera? Can we not work hard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That statue is based on like some real ass shit. Which I graduated from art school way too long ago for me to remember. But I remember being like, hey, it's the devil's advocate thing. And, um, you know, it's that. And then, like, there's some weird, like, Dead Sea Scrolls shit on the wall in there. I mean, it's it's sick as fuck apartment. If I could just make my whole house one big-ass altar. Actually, no, just kidding. I want to use the bathroom to sleep. That's a studio. You've turned a penthouse into a studio. I I don't know. I'm... I guess if it's just you, it's fine. That is the 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 sprocket devil. That's the original bedazzled devil. That well, so right. The gimmick is going to be, I don't have a bedroom. I just fuck anywhere. Then get some more furniture. Like Yeah. Right? It's a boring place to fuck. There's no furniture. Yeah. It's just on the ground. On the floor. Where do you fuck? He's got like a, the fold-out bed. Mostly right. as the Times Square desk. Applebee's is where <laughs> I thought. You know Jack Nicholson's devil had a bed in every room with totally. mirrors on the ceiling. Yeah. Jack Nicholson's bedroom had another bed on top of the bed. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, he's got the bed from fucking, like, Manifold Earth. Like, that's a devil's bedroom with a bed right. descending from chains. Or the like, ceiling you know, beds. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Then fucking... You know, Al Pacino, he just fucks everywhere but at home. I guess he right. doesn't. I mean, I guess he doesn't go to Applebee's, so he doesn't shit where he eats. But he's, he does get. Oh, well, I don't eat off. the food here. It's terrible. Yeah, I wouldn't. If I'm not like, like at I the want to go place. Like, I want the 2023 version of it where it's like Pacino taking Keanu on the corrupting tour of New York, but now it's like at the M&M store. totally i would pitch that they never leave florida there's no reason for this movie to leave florida like i think if he's if he's tempting him to go to the big city it's like tampa or orlando and it's like that's the movie devil lives in florida no way you will have like any second questions i mean two things orlando already is hell but 
the other one is uh, Charlize Florida choices or color choices make perfect sense in Miami. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Miami, Miami would be great. Vice. Yeah. That's what it's like. Just it's Miami Vice, but with the devil. It, except it's, it's Miami vice. comma Vice instead of Miami. Cola. <laughs> I like Miami Cola. Like, All right. Remaking this movie in Miami. It's Jenna Ortega and it's going to be J-Lo as the devil. Halo okay. as the devil, Jenna like Ortega. Let's get the mean boy from Euphoria and the Charlie. I role. mean, that actually, I, that might be kind of fun. I would watch yeah, that. Actually, movie. this is yeah, this is kind of legit. Like, yeah, J Lo play the the Pacino part as over the top as she can. Either J Lo or be... Rosie Perez. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, good. We need more who is, lady who is, devils. Who is, 2023 female Eddie Barzun, though. That's what I want to know. Oh, Barzun. Will Forte. Oh, man. Who, who's our modern Johnny Cochran? Oh, I don't know. I think it's going to have to be an updated reference, though. I'm going to say it's Sam Robinson. Okay. Oh, that's good. I was going to say DJ Khaled. <laughs> well, if we move I mean, to Miami. movie in 2023, it Sam absolutely Richardson. has. All I do is win, win, win. Yeah. Yeah, or it's a uh, DJ Khaled show that they go gonna, to, I'm and he and, and that's instead of the fight. That's where I'm they go. I'm gonna say to we don't need the Devil's Advocate franchise, though. Like this is from an era where people, like again, that is something that just feels like pleasant and quaint. Where someone was just like, "Yeah, let's just drop like a one-off drama, right?" And that'll be a big hit. Can we yeah. talk about that? The title doesn't a hundred percent make sense. Like, who's the devil's advocate? Is it supposed to be Keanu? Because I mean, the devil literally. is already an advocate. He's already the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, the devil's second partner. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, he, he is advocating the devil by agreeing to work with him. But, but you're right. The, the, the title implies that it's about someone who becomes a, like, who represents the devil as the devil's lawyer. And we don't. We don't see who Pacino's lawyer is. Presumably Johnny Cochran. Honestly, yeah. like I feel like that's probably a better movie if like he represents the devil who is a criminal, like who is doing it's devil like stuff. Hit, it's like the hitman's right. bodyguard. Like it's yes. about a bodyguard for a hitman. Right. Yeah. So there is a movie where this kind of sort of happens, except the devil's advocate is not so much a lawyer, but a therapist. And the devil, it's played by Jeff Goldblum. It's a movie called. What Mr. is that movie? It's called Mr. Frost. It's very bad, but sounds there's amazing. still some. Yeah, it sounds amazing. There's some amazing parts of it, but basically, the devil, the the whole conceit of the movie is that the devil is trying to convince this therapist that he is so evil that he needs to die and that he cannot be saved. And that there is no such like there's no psychological science that will help him, uh, you know, he's basically like proving the existence of evil, like pure evil by trying to push this therapist to her limit. It's odd. And there's a lot of it's like this weird British movie from 1980 as and it is Jeff Goldblum is great in it. Like he's he's doing you know as much as he can with what he has. And then 
there's some very mediocre performances around him. Sure. But, you know, it's if you want to, like, look at different, like, this is not exactly my recommendation for this movie, but, you know, for this this episode of Progressively Horrified. But I will say, if you want to look at all the different devils in cinema, it's, sure. it's an interesting one. Let me let me ask you guys. I mean, I feel like we've come up with a lot of them as we've been doing this. What's your pitch for uh, a better piece of media coming off of this? Like, what's what's the thing you're going to pitch? Is it the, the adaptation or what, what else you got? The, the I just want to play. Just when I play is at the final scene of this movie. Sure. Yeah. I want to see the crossover with Ally McBeal, where it's Callista Flockhart has to be Al Pacino's lawyer. Oh, my God. Good. Oh, my God. It's a crossover with a prophecy, right? And um, Kevin Lomax now is trying to represent Gabriel in court. Who is being sued by the devil for trying to make another hell? I would yeah. love to just see Vigo Christopher Walken. Devil that's suing. Yeah. Have yeah, we ever done a movie devil. where Christopher Walken and Al Pacino got to act together? Probably. This got it's got to be out there. All right, I'm gonna. I'm pitch. sure they've been in the same movie together, but I don't know if they've ever like been in the same scene together. Um, oh, that's a good question. I'm going to pitch that my version of this would be that that Pacino's firm gets bought out by Boston Legal. He's now represented by Denny Crane. So now it's Shatner and Pacino just fighting over who's going to eat the most scenery and James Spader. And they're just going to Spader. Where's my Spader devil? They're all going to just fight over who gets to go over the top. Okay, update. Uh, yes, Walken and Pacino and did guys. do a movie together, along with Alan Arkin, which sounds exciting. But unfortunately, the movie they did together was in 2012 and not the 1970s. And it's called The Stand-Up Guys. It has a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes and made $5 million on a $15 million budget. How? It's not good. It's not How? good. Yeah. How? Hey, well, you've never heard of it. That's probably part of it. Also yeah. directed by Fisher Stevens, which is just a whole other level of disappointment. Yeah. I think my my pitch coming off of this is a podcast, and it's just like half-hour conversations that you're supposed to walk around the city to, which is just 30 minutes of Al Pacino talking to you about a random subject. I like this. Yeah. I like this a lot. Like, yeah, I like that a lot better. Like just also just Al Pacino yelling at you about the chicken that does tic tac toe. I like this, this as yeah. like I like this as like Al Pacino is the official like AR augmented reality assistant who just talks to you about whatever neighborhood you're about. You're in a New yeah. York. Can it be was, called fan of man? I'm a fan of man. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that last great line. The humanist line. Like there yeah. is a real college level nihilism that like yeah yes. it doesn't really hold up yeah. when you think about it super yeah. hard but on yeah. the surface is down very down to the fact that the only that way point. out is for both of them to commit suicide at the end like that's the only way to get out of this system is for both of them to kill themselves yeah, yeah. and that's i mean like when i 1998 1997 when this movie came out and i was watching it in high school i was like mm, give me that mm, that's all oh, look at it. Oh, 
fucking English class. Let's the go. The crow is playing on the next screen. Like, yeah, that's the crow, right. The crow is like my dessert from the movie, <laughs> like this hamburger of a movie. Like this, this movie with like the most delectable vegetables that you've <laughs> ever had in this hamburger covered in like crazy sauce or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Pacino's performance is like, hey, we made vegetables, but we fried them in bacon grease. Yeah. This, Which yes, is this like, is a, it's fine this for... is a black bean patty with two <laughs> pounds of American cheese melted on top of it. Totally. Yeah. We gave you a veggie burger, but also put regular bacon on top. <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that millionaire's bacon. It's got like the hot sauce and everything baked into it, too. Like, oh, yeah. Um, Christ. We, yeah. we feed the pig so much gold leaf that the <laughs> that the meat just comes out naturally gold. Oh, uh, okay. God. Let's get into a really nuanced conversation. <laughs> the movie feminist. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Lol. I'm gonna say L O L. That's an yeah. acronym for let's opt late. Uh, no, it's not. I spent I mean, two hours going wow. What a pretty thankless role for Connie Nielsen. And then they're like, what if incest? Yeah. Not only is she as a woman in charge of her sexuality, but she is also his sister. Again, like, Patino. Unnecessary. Maybe, maybe keep that card in the deck. Maybe yeah. wait till the deal has been sealed before you flip that one over. Yeah. He was already, he was ready to sleep with her before his wife went insane. Like before, yeah. Yeah. Like, he was ready to sleep with Connie Nielsen when they were talking in front of fake New York 10 minutes into the yeah, movie. Give, yeah. That is something is like, and I think he, we mentioned before, but yeah, given how much of the movie he spends clearly lusting after Connie Nielsen, and the only thing that really stops him is, oh, it's the devil's plot and it's incest. It right. really does make it hard to believe that there's been a real arc where he goes, Oh, I actually love my wife who I ignored and had committed. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. He doesn't he doesn't say that he's bothered by the incest part, really. That never actually comes up in his No, that's he true. Never, I, I never reacts really to the incest <laughs> at all. There's like, there's no moment where the, it's revealed that she's actually his half sister and he's like, I want to have sex with her. I'd like he's to believe like, it's because yeah, they sure, ADD. Okay. They ADR'd the mention of the sister because test audiences came back and were like, we feel like there should be more incest. Happier ending, more incest. We'll only tack on this I, extra ending if there's incest. Right. I the test audience was just George R.R. R. Martin just sending in a hundred cards. <laughs> I think Ben is right, but I don't know that that's the reason. I think that literally the writing was like, What's a real reason that Keanu wouldn't have sex with this woman that he's dreamt about having sex with what the if, entire movie? They're like, well, well, it's just making his sister. What his if, honestly, sister. no, what it, what it probably was was like a producer or an executive at the studio was like, oh, yeah. well, I don't get it. Why does it have to be her? Why couldn't he just have Keanu right. sleep with any random person? Right. And so like, fine. It, it's she's also the devil's kid so it's like i mean half devil plus half devil equals full devil does that make sense and then the executive was like yes once you once it became incest i understood the plot in fairness he has been trying but keanu was not interested in sleeping with the only asian representation in this movie his asian prostitute um, right there's just in from france oh oh and there's obviously the chicken guy 
Right. Yeah, show the notes chicken, also Asian representation. Yes. Whose line, who's line in English is tic-tac-toe. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess it's a natural transition into uh, how, how do we feel about how race is handled in this film? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, some of it Badly. is less bad than other parts, but bad. Like, you know, yeah. uh, to quote Keanu, the whole like, you being black. We're right out of the gate with uh, yeah. right out of the gate with that. And that made but, me go, whoa. Yeah, I mean, that like in a different context might have if there was a little bit more context around that might have been like funny of just like hearing me like the oh, context I'm... of we're in Gainesville, Florida didn't help. No, it didn't. It did not. I mean, it helped just maybe not in the way the movie meant for it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, 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 it definitely made helped. that sentiment more believable. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Like there yeah. are layers to that that may have worked in a different situation, but you know, not isolated as it was, it did not. Yeah, yeah we, not we talked about Latino gangster whose wife is doing crack at home. Um, yeah, Creole immigrant whose whole thing is he is a voodoo priest, played by Delroy Lindo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Delroy Lindo. Like these are all really good actors who give, like even Craig T. Nelson, give like decent performances oh, yeah. to yeah. things that you go. This doesn't deserve a, as good a performance as you are giving it. Yeah. There's some roles where it's just like, it definitely takes you out to recognize the person in it. And that was definitely a case where you're watching the movie and then just going like, that's still really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I forget what's going on or who he's even playing now because I'm now distracted that Delroy Lindo is in this movie. For about yeah. two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. In an uncredited role. And that's fucked up that he's not credited either because he's there a lot. Yeah. Like, it's I said, like what? Like... We're just going to forget that it's Delroy Lindo? No. He's not part credited in. I mean, that's literally, that had to be like between seven to nine days of shooting. Like he's yeah. in that movie. Yeah, it's like like a goat head. Well, that's onion or whatever. Like, it's right, right. Yeah, maybe he didn't want to be credited because he's like, What do you do? Oh, I do some tongue thing with a tongue and some nails and kill a goat. Yeah, yeah. The real uh, Angel Heart conundrum of representation there. Still not as bad as Angel Heart, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, mystifying. Uh, yeah, so. Representation on, on race stuff, either. not good. No, um, also not great. LGBT issues. We get one lady licking another lady's neck and Charlie's not wanting to touch boobs. Yeah, one yeah. lady licking another lady's neck, which is a display of lascivious temptation, not like, you know, some people being in love no. with each other or interacting with each other in a natural way. No. Correct. Yeah, the, the very, like, Night, bad 90s college poster of two chicks making out and you know a dude saying that he's like so cool with that because you know he watches a lot of girl on girl porn i'd like to imagine that these two women and john are just like going in and out of the building behind every group that comes in they're just like all right we're gonna work. we're gonna tempt these guys now we're gonna tempt these guys all right yeah. there's a girl we're gonna tempt the girl now let's come on we're gonna get somebody with this I paid for an hour. Come on, spice this up. Come on, we need another person involved. Get some ice on those nipples. Let's try it again. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. uh, He's got no refrigerator. Where is he going to get ice? 
He's down. There's Keanu nothing up there. Everywhere. <laughs> he wants Keanu Reeves to bite them. That's right. why he wanted Keanu Reeves. He wants them to bite him. Bite their head on up to the penthouse and break some ice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why he has all those people living with him in his giant penthouse. He's like, oh shit. Hey, Eddie, bring me some ice. Bring me some ice. It keeps melting. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk at all about the uh, depiction of uh, mental illness and how it's dealt with in this movie? It's not much. I mean, yeah, we we can talk about it. It's bad. It's basically like mental illness uh, was a curse from the devil, which is yeah. what people have thought mental illness is in days of yore, which was a big problem. And also, get, I like they also thought it was sometimes gifts from God. So it really depends on the society uh, you're in. Yeah. Yeah, if you get harmed in ways that you clearly could have not done to yourself, because she's got like a bite mark in the middle of her back, which is not possible for her to have done for herself. But you can be committed within half an hour. It's speedy turnaround on this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's very rich, and he and she is a woman. I'm pretty sure she got the rose. I'm pretty sure he just like signed her up for the Rose Kennedy fast pass. She's a yeah. woman who decided uh, to cut her long hair. Of course, she needs to go to the yeah. insane asylum. Yeah, also, she gets fifty-one uh, fifty real quick. Hey, yeah. listeners, if you don't get that joke, Google Rose Kennedy and see some <laughs> fucked up shit. Oh, yeah, that's a story. I've, I've listened to enough podcasts to know about that one. Yeah. 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 The only yeah. other question we have on here is, is how does it deal with class? And uh, again, poorly. Like, yeah. If I mean, have, there... I'm not sure if the demons are supposed to be pretending to be homeless people. Or they have possessed homeless people, or what? They start out as what seem to be joggers, and then he is beaten to death by some people experiencing homelessness in in the park, who um, move immediately from asking, like from trying to steal from him to beating him with pipes. Um, so, gleefully, yeah. I mean, if he was beaten to death by his tenants, I mean, I guess that would be bad, reflect badly on the double. Um, but like, it's still like watching these people beat up this asshole is nice, and it could be better in another movie, in another horror movie. But again, mixed right. messages. Mixed well, and messages. let's talk about the fact that the the good, the people of substance are the rural Bible loving people that really would never go to the horrific city, which is full of urban people and terrible things. And and that, for that one time that they did accidentally fuck the devil and it yeah, accidentally or, fucked yeah, the devil. Not, but I got my kid out of it. They're not the people of substance, though. Like, there's no substance to those characters that their position, only the context of their position makes them like the the gives them the moral like, right. At, at, at the people who are supposedly have the moral high ground, he just got a, a pedophile off. Like, that's yeah, the guy who, who yeah, you're guy worried about. For. That we're yeah. rooting for. You're yeah. worried about him in, in New York? Yeah. Like, in New York now- City? That should have been what he said to his <laughs> mom. He should have just said, Mom, I just got a pedophile off. I'll be fine in New York. I'm going to be fine in New York. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was thinking about freezing. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, the only surprise is that a '90s movie about the devil in New York doesn't involve Rudy Giuliani. They probably mm-hmm. tried. Certainly, they... one of the lesser demons that Rome Harplane. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. he's he's definitely one of those. He fucked his sister to create the Antichrist. And probably just like the Antichrist is out there somewhere, like crushing. That's how we get a Rudy Giuliani is demonic inbreeding. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of a, a lot of Antichrist. Well, that's why I'm saying the Devil's Plan is flawed. Like, what kind of fucking just absolute fail kid of an Antichrist are we going to end up with? Like, you know, what? maybe that's it. Where it's just like. Hey, we made an amalgamation of all the Roy kids, and it's just going to wreck the planet. And yeah, can and you buy that for hundreds of years, you've been having sex with as many women as you can to have children, and you couldn't get any of those two kids to have sex with each other to make or, the Antichrist? I'd like to imagine yeah. it was like it was like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where Ego's just having a bunch of kids trying to find one that's got the power. But Pacino's just going around like, I had so many kids that just waiting for one to become a lawyer. Right. I guess, None went yeah. to law school. I guess, yeah, that's also, but there's, there are more people in law school now that there are lawyers that are, or whatever the fuck is, the statistics that he quoted. I don't think that statistic was real. I think I think he made that up. I think that's well, most statistics are made up. Sorry, ninety percent. Um, I heard that sixty-seven percent of statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah. yeah, I read that. I read that too on the internet, which never lies. Yes, I read that seventeen yeah. percent of the internet is actually lies. But yeah. but that was in an article that was claimed to be hundred percent true. Yeah, that was in a completely unbiased article. Yes. So. Yeah, I mean, there's some cool devil stuff in this movie. I think most of it is the the most of the if we're if we're moving on to our recommendations section here, the reason I would recommend this movie is just to watch Al Pacino jump around. Like this is 100. It's just like when the prophecy watching fucking Christopher Walken jump around and like Viggo Mortensen be like, mm-hmm. oh, but Pacino is that like his full power in this movie? Yeah, and the way they have like the the low lighting on him on his face and like the raking light on his face, and they do such a good job with that. And you know, Keanu Reeves does a good. I mean, he does his best. The scene where I gotta say, like, it's difficult to tell where Keanu Reeves is being. He's acting at times, and he's just not. But. That bit in the beginning where he, he smiles in the mirror and the smile like does not reach his eyes at all. Almost like it's so <laughs> fucking weird that it works. Like it's, he's just he just grimaces at himself. Yeah, like, he's, he's yeah. looks like he's convincing himself to put a smile on, even though he is mm-hmm. not happy about what's going on. Yeah, uh, and that that almost works for me. But yeah, anyway, it's a lot of really good small one eye plays. About you, Heath. Do you feel like this is worth people seeing? Should they go check it out? I agree with Emily that I think the Pacino performance in this is special and worth watching. I do not think it's worth slogging through a two and a half hour film just for those that that twenty five minutes worth of high point. It's it it I I found this to be a bit of a slog. I had a good time doing it, but I it didn't it it was a slog for me. Yeah. I I had a really fun time with this movie. I definitely recommend it. I got it didn't feel like two and a half hours for me. I found it a pretty nice watch, but no, this is this is one I definitely uh I definitely recommend. Cool. Yeah, and, I and I would my, say yeah. like it is two and a half hours, but you don't have to watch it particularly closely. It's not very right. Deep. It's yeah. not. It is definitely something you can put on in the background and zoom zoom in and out. Like if you're 
sitting down to watch it to talk about it on a podcast you might have to pay a little more attention but i think like this is a movie that you can easily like put on in the background while you're doing something else if you don't mind seeing nudity there's a lot of nudity in this movie in a way that there aren't often in in modern movies or modern thrillers the the 90s just uh there's this is there's a horniness in this movie that just feels quaint yeah, yeah. i think yeah. everything after like we've talked about it it does make sense that i watched this movie so many times on like cinemax or cable movie channel especially because i was always like catching it in the a different part of the movie. There's a couple times where I watched it all the way through, but I've, I'd seen it so many times into various parts and I'm like, oh, this is a good part. Oh, that's a good part. So it's like, you know, you don't need to watch the full movie. Right. Uh, I also think better if the, you don't. the movie, it doesn't 100% know what it wants, what it's striving to be. Like, it's not horror enough to be a great horror movie and it's not thrilling enough to be a great thriller. So it's, if it sort of, one of those columns and dove into it hard, I think it would be a better film. Like if this film yeah. was 30% more of either of those two things, I think I would, I would enjoy it more. Yeah. It ultimately is a morality play. Um, yeah. Like in a, a very like decided way at the end that they're just like, yeah, this is the only way out of it is not do any of that fucked up shit. Although I do think it's funny to like, think of this movie as uh, uh like now to think of this movie as uh, like, an exercise in like white guilt and just finding out that you're like a nepo baby at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. funny that, that you got this that's job funny. because you're actually the devil's kid, uh, and that's mm. why you never lost. Like, like yeah. the, the sort yeah. of realization they 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 glide through it, but I think we could have stayed with that realization of Keanu that like you didn't ever lose because you're good at what you do. You did it because you're the devil's kid. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's interesting. Attractive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that uh, you didn't actually earn any of this stuff, that you did have the boost that you never felt like you had. It's very, like, it's a very interesting message from the perspective of, like, 2023 white guilt kind of thing. But it is, like, the fourth most, the thing they're, like, fourth or fifth most interested in in this last scene. The first one being, could you please fuck your sister? <laughs> so like it's it's kind of wild so yeah I, like, I don't i think it is ultimately like worse than the sum of its parts if that makes sense like all of the parts there's a lot of good parts but the movie doesn't really come together um, yeah 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 so it, it's it's like ultimately like it does not stick the landing at all but like there's a lot of fun things to to look at and watch in there it's an interesting like it's a well filmed film, and there's some good acting, and there's some other acting. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, and you know, God bless him, Keanu, like accepted a pay cut on this movie so that they could afford Al Pacino's acting price. Like, <laughs> and that, like, literally, he was like, "Yeah, I'll take a pay cut just so you could pay Al Pacino," and then Al Pacino, like found out about that and donated the difference in the the salaries which is like cool they they both seem like great guys um yeah. band and, of guys yeah yeah I ultimately mean, yeah the the movie doesn't doesn't quite work i feel like keanu as far as i can tell there's never been a negative hollywood story about keanu in the 
like 30 years he has been active. Or outside of Hollywood. We, apparently he was in town here in the Bay Area, well, a few weeks ago. And he, I, of all the places he visited, he visited the fucking comic book store. Hell yeah. Signed comics. I can't promise that nobody has a bad story about Al Pacino, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a long time. He's been alive a long time and standards have changed. Ooh. Yeah, so uh, I guess that just leaves uh, recommendations. Keith, did you have anything you wanted to recommend coming off of this movie? Anything people should go check out? Oh my gosh, this is a this is a great question. I am looking for the name of the book that I'm reading right now. It is a fantastic examination of the history of Siskel and Ebert, which were two critics that I grew up with, and it sort of tells the story of their lives their relationship together how they got put together and growing up in chicago i was a big fan about this hold on one second i'm pulling up the book opposable thumbs is the name of the book and it's how siskel and ebert changed movies and it's written by matt singer and i'm having a great time reading it right now it is a really lovely nonfiction book about their relationship that's awesome that sounds really good yeah, it's fun. It's really cool. Because if you know anything about Siskel and Ebert, you'll know, like, they were not fans of each other. They did not like being paired up. And and that sort of, they were super competitive throughout their entire careers. And also, they were the first people to sort of bring movie criticism into the the television age. And it was, it's very cool. Nice. Great. Yeah. Ben, did you have anything you wanted to recommend? Yeah, I think if you want to see more, you know, a show that kind of is exploring the nuances of the law, you know, the morality of that and how it can corrupt people, I would definitely check out Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Emily, what have you got? Well, I was going to say True Detective because, and it was weird you talking about fucking Matthew McConaughey because I'm just like starting True Detective now. And I'm like, yeah, this is, these are the characters that, you know, are being depicted here. But in this movie, we're like supposed to be like, oh, isn't Keanu cute? But he's, you know, anyway, I'd like to see how these characters interact with Al Pacino's devil. And I got to recommend, I, I do this a lot, but any devil movie, and we're not talking about this movie this time because it's not a horror movie. And we're probably not going to talk about it is the 1967 bedazzled with peter cook and dudley moore it's one of my favorite movies great about call. the devil and him just fucking with people and the the peter cook devil has a grand scheme that is ridiculous but it's supposed to be and then just the the comedy of errors which actually plays out a little bit better and a little bit more comfortably than the comedy, most for the most part, than the comedy of errors in this film. The tragedy of errors, perhaps. But yeah, so that's a fun one. Another dessert for after watching a movie that's about lawyers. <laughs> lawyers. No, lawyers. The worst. Yeah, so, so many things to recommend. We did, this is not my ultimate recommendation, but we did go see the Marvels this weekend, my daughters and my wife and I, uh, which was really fantastic. I feel like it's gotten a lot of maligning from people who I don't think have seen the movie because it is like ultimately the sort of 
fun and enjoyable movie that got people into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is fun and exciting and representative in a way that a lot of movies aren't. And, you know, having talked about the new Candyman remake from a couple of years ago on here, I love Nia DaCosta as a director, and she does a great job in this of making like things that are often incomprehensible in action films, especially in superhero films, like feel weighty and important as a lot of the fight scenes in particular are, are well-directed and well-put-together. And the way I think is great. Oh, sign. Yeah. I co-signed that. It was charming fun. It's not perfect, but it is super charming fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think completely unrelated to anything we've talked about here, the thing I want to talk about, or I do want to recommend, which I also checked out this this weekend. So I went to a uh, local pro wrestling show with my friend Dave. There's a uh, a East Coast wrestling association that's known as Deadlock Pro Wrestling. I saw here in Durham and it's a sort of like it's a sort of wrestling that I love that like reminds me why I enjoy wrestling because like there's a lot of people that are like going out there and and just like putting on an incredible show doing a lot of like fun character stuff and like my my favorite thing is when wrestling doesn't take itself too seriously like it can be important and serious in the moment but like my favorite character that that I, I i met watching the stuff this weekend because this is the first one of their shows i've been to there's this guy named andrew everett and his thing is that he's a giant and if you watch like guys in wrestling that are giants like andre the giant and the big show they have a certain way that they like approach it they are the guys who you know they walk up and they step over the top rope instead of ducking between the ropes and they choke slam people they do big feeling moves and um you know they will occasionally do something that requires him to run people be like oh he's great for his size look at look at how he moves and you know they they do all the stuff and they wear like the singlets and everything so this guy andrew everett does all of that stuff the thing is he's five five and like his whole thing is that he's a giant so like he's out here at five five stepping Genius. over the top rope wearing a you know single strap thing and like choke slamming people from five foot five I and it's love the it. most it's the most wonderful thing um and the, you know he's coming out and giving these intimidating speeches and people reacting to him like he's seven feet tall and i awesome. fucking adore that like it's so oh, good can i ask a question mm-hmm. was this recommendation perhaps related to the the huge size difference between keanu reeves and al pacino <laughs> in this movie and their respective like opposite presence on the camera like on the screen i mean it it feels like that like that's you know he's al pacino is absolutely choke slamming keanu reeves in this yeah. movie yeah <laughs> it's really great because there's they've got a lot of like younger wrestlers guys who are really enthusiastic who are excited to be there and they put on like a great show for i think it was probably about 60 70 people but they were just like going full tilt super excited to be there um and they you can see some of their stuff online they have like highlight videos on their their website but also they have like a you know subscription model thing where you can buy their videos individually or you can get one every time they they do a thing but um yeah they're they're great deadlock pro wrestling I'd, I'd absolutely recommend them to anybody who who enjoys pro wrestling or just likes you know a good show they're a lot nice. of fun yeah 
So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Before we go, Heath, uh, I would love for you to let people know where they can find uh, find you online and find out more about what you're working on. Absolutely. The best way to stay in touch with me is currently on Instagram, where my handle is at hcorson. That is me. Alternately, you can find me on Blue Sky. That is where I'm taking up since Twitter has become such a hellscape. So you can find me there. Nice. Nice. And uh, you have anything uh, coming out soon? Or? You know what? Get in touch with me on Instagram and, and I will be promoting some stuff coming very, very soon. Uh, I've got some comic book work that I'm excited to talk about that I can't talk about just yet, but I hopefully will be able to announce it very, very soon. Fantastic. And uh, Ben, what about you? Where can people find you online? Yeah. You can find me at BenConComics.com, social media, BenConComics, and check out my novel, El Campbell Wins Their Weekend, and my manga from Tokyo Pop, Captain Laser Hawk, a Blood Dragon remix, a tie into the Netflix series. Nice. And uh, Emily, what about you? I'm lurking. I'm lurking on uh, Instagram, Mega underscore Moss. Pretty much everything else at Mega Moss, the Blue Sky, the the corpse of Twitter. I dance upon as Mega Moss, and on uh, Patreon, Mega Moss on Patreon. They have free tiers now, so you know, might as well. And MegaMoss.net, which is basically a link to all of those things. And uh, me, you can find me at my website at JeremyWhitley.com. On Blue Sky and on Tumblr, I'm just Jeremy Whitley. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm, I'm jrome 58 still. Uh, I think the way Twitter is right now is put very succinctly this weekend when I tweeted about how I liked the Marvels and like 30 people uh, showed up to tell me how much they hated me. My wife was like, when did you get so many haters? And I was like, these people don't follow me. They don't follow any of the people I follow. They're literally out here term searching the Marvels just so they can tell people how wrong they are for enjoying it. That's uh, a great use of time. <laughs> That's a sign of a life being well lived. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the state of Twitter at the moment. And uh, yeah, you can uh, go pre-order my, my upcoming book from Titan. It'll be out in February. It's called The Cold Ever After. It's uh, our queer Arthurian noir. It's going to be, it's wild. It's, it's the first, uh, first real grown-up book I've written. So uh, I, I hope people enjoy that. As for the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Progressively Horrified at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and on Twitter at proghorrorpod as well as wherever you're listening to this right now. And we would love wherever you're listening for, to this right now for you to rate and review the podcast so other people can find it and so that it can be uh, easier for them to find so we can keep making this stuff so that you can listen to more of it. It's really a self-serving thing. Just get out there and do it. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us and thank you so much to uh, Heath for coming out. Really yeah, this was huge you. fun. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks as always to Ben and Emily for joining us. And until next time, stay horrified. <laughs>